0: Peace, hurt. Welcome to the Breaking Down the Bites podcast. Interested in the IT field and looking for a way to break in? Are you a college student or looking for a career change? The IT industry is booming and has tons of opportunity. It's vast, complex, and can be overwhelming, but we can help. Come along as we break down some of the barriers as your insider to the tech industry. everybody. Welcome back to this week's edition of Breaking Down the Bytes. As usual, I'm your host, Pat. You can find me on Twitter at Layer8Packet. That's the number eight. Kyle's here, too. He's on Twitter as well at daneth 256 You can find the show on Twitter at Pod. We're pretty active on Twitter, so come say hello. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe to your streaming platform of choice. We are back for another week. The three amigos are here, ready to roll, ready to get pretty nerdy. Is this topic
1: this week's topic is gonna to be
0: awesome in my opinion? So what's up, Kyle? What's going on, man?
1: Super excited. This is gonna be great. Another another wonderful uh, Pennsylvania day. There's the right. weather for you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. I was looking forward to that. <laughs> it really was. It was cold today, man. It really was. Yeah. It was it it's was gross. freezing out there. Yeah. I went to the St. Paddy's Day Parade. For those of you that do know, know me or just know me virtually. My my pops has been playing the bagpipes for like 20 years. And he actually started when we were in college, Kyle. Um, it, was, it was funny. They, they ushered in a new president at the college we were at. And they actually hired a piper to play, like the ceremony or whatever. And my dad thought that was pretty cool. And he picked up pipes, and he's been playing ever since. So he's going on. Twenty years of playing playing the old pipes, which only has eight notes, by the way. For those of you that are willing for a fun fact, that the bagpipes only have eight notes. So anyway, so yeah, we went to see him today play a St. Patty's Day parade, and we took the grandkids, and it was really cold out there, but but we did it and we made it, so it was all good. But it was it was pretty wicked. It was like f- like fifteen with the wind chill. It was pretty crazy. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: not a good time. Alex, <laughs> you have warmer weather where you're at out there. You don't get you don't get very cold uh, cold nights out
3: there. Eh? <laughs> no, nah, it's going to be there's going to be a few days in the low 60s this week. It's about oh, as cold as
0: the River.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible. This is
0: awful. No, so we are back this week. We appreciate everybody joining as usual. Just a couple of house. Keeping items before we get into the nerdy stuff. Last week I talked about the Cisco Champions radio podcast that was released or that I should say that I did with them on the Catalyst 9500. X series. That was actually released last week. So they were much quicker than I thought they would be with the release of that episode depending on where that one fell in the schedule. So that is out there now. Go check that out. Cisco Champions Radio 9500X. Also a link to the podcast will be in the show notes for this week. So make it easy for y'all to find it and go from there. So that's one item. The next item is I didn't realize it at the time, but last week was our 50th episode. The big 50, gentlemen. It was, that's some sort of a mini milestone i think wouldn't you say
3: that's right <laughs> i wish i had a, like one of those party blowers
0: yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need sound effects on this show maybe that's in the next budget i don't know mm-hmm. we'll See <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: there you go yeah so the big 50 so thanks everybody for tuning in with us so uh, everyone that's made this show possible guests listeners you guys as co-hosts my man dean who originally started it with me so he's a big part of this as well even though he's not with us anymore so just a big thanks to everybody we made it to we made it to 50 so we're gonna keep going until people tell us to stop so (laughs) they're like oh my god we wish those guys would just shut up already if that happens just just tweet (laughs) at us and tell us no no hard feelings last one for us is i i attended a Event last week with our good friend Nikki Townsend, who she was on the show a while back. She has a nonprofit called TechAware, which basically helps women get into the tech field or business in general. So she does a lot of things with like LinkedIn headshots and resume pointers and basically just exposing women and connecting women to all these bunch of places and sponsors and things of that nature. She had their, TechAware had their big uh, event. Last week at the Microsoft campus in Malvern, Pennsylvania. So I literally, one of our offices is right up the road, literally less than two miles. So I worked down there for the day and shot down the road and and went to support her. And let me tell you, it was packed. It was just people everywhere. And so she's doing really big things over there, her and her team over at TechAware. So go, tech, go check them out. Their link will be in the show notes there as well. I think it's techaware.tech is their website. So if you're a, a woman out there looking to make connections with other women in business and trying to get into tech, certainly check them out. And they have a whole bunch of resources there. So shout out to Nikki and her crew for putting on that that event. That was some that was really, really something to see, so just a couple of notes there for this week, house cleaning before we get on to the nerdy stuff. so and now the nerdy stuff, ladies and gents, here we go. We need a soundboard. <laughs> a sound transition would have been good right there, but <laughs> we digress. Um, this week we are doing a CDN deep dive content delivery networks. So, Alex, you are going to drive this one, or I should say the majority of it. We're going to pop in questions and have a decent discussion on where we fall short. We, as in Kyle and I, fall short with the CDN technologies and, and whatnot. Yeah, CDN this week is going to be a really good one. See if we can kind of get going. And if anybody sees any smoke out their window, that's that's this podcast thinking and collectively <laughs> coming together and trying to make a mess of this. So we'll see what happens. So, Alex, you want to take it away, my friend? and
3: go from there sure thing so yeah there's another one that we talked about for a bit and now that i have a few months actually it's almost a year at this point at disney streaming i have some insider info and even though i felt like i knew the technology pretty well before i certainly feel like i know it pretty well now (laughs) so just like last time it's similar to the azure um podcast that we had a little bit ago. It'll be a deep dive. Probably won't be quite as technical as yours was, but we'll see how it goes. First thing I want to do is just high-level overview of what CDN. If someone is listening to this, I would imagine you have a little bit of background. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so just like it sounds, CDN, Content Delivery Network, the whole idea is it's a network and its one and only purpose is delivering content to the end user which seems pretty straightforward, but, I mean, ultimately, that w- that's what it is. And, I mean, it can be anything. It, can be, it could be a podcast if it really wanted to. It could be just a web server traffic. But I think we're going to focus on video streaming because I don't have the stats to back it up, but I'm going to assume that 90% of the traffic traversing CDNs is related to it. the sudden just massive increase in the streaming players out there. I mean, what started as being like a Netflix thing is and now at this point, I'm kind of shocked if some random network doesn't have their own streaming variant, whether it be Discovery, Paramount, CBS, you name it, they all have one now. But obviously, there's some giants in the room, Netflix, uh, certainly Hulu and Disney, which is what I'm familiar with, and then some other big players like Apple. So, yeah, like I said, we'll focus on CDNs as it relates to transition into talking about streaming and not related to CDN. But starting with that, with CDNs, and we'll, we'll just use Disney here. The concept of a CDN right now is there's so much storage that's involved with storing all this stuff. So, I mean, you think about Netflix and Disney's catalog of content, it, it's enormous. I mean, the, the terabytes and whatever comes out, the petabytes of petabytes storage needed. Is, yeah. Yeah. Right, And the yeah. whole idea is there's all this content. You want to get it to people across the globe and you want to be for performance reasons. You want to be as close to those end people and users as you can, but it, it's not realistic to take all that massive amount of storage and put it 60 places in the world. It's just doesn't make financial sense. But it also doesn't make sense that you have everyone in the world trying to watch Stranger Things and maybe there's just one server in Las Vegas or Los Angeles that serves that content for the rest of the world. So that's kind of where CDNs come right in. It's getting as close to the po- as possible as you can to the end user at a price that makes sense. And the way they do that is kind of how you architect CDM. You have the concept of an origin site that's going to have all the storage. It's going to every single catalog, every everything from the newest episode of Stranger Things to, I don't know, some off the wall, like whatever you can think of. <laughs> Use your imagination. Whatever you may think of that's not popular. All that's stored in these origin sites. And without going into too much detail and saying anything, I don't a lot to say about Disney, it's universal across all these streaming giants. They're going to have probably less than five of these in the whole world, less than 10, certainly. And I think Netflix has three and that's public knowledge. So the idea is all the data it, you need redundancy. You can't have a, a site go offline and lose some content, but you don't need many. So we'll just see five or less. And the other thing worth noting is that storage, there's not all storage is treated the same. You have storage that's, better used for writing and deleting, erasing content and putting new content really quick. And dynamic content, content that's gonna be there one day gone the next, or maybe even here one hour gone the next hour. Then you have storage that isn't as good with that. It's it's meant to store it and stay there and you can get to it, but it's a little slower, but you can hold more. So you can think of your origin site is That's going to be the massive amounts of storage as far as like just size. But that's going to be the I.O. or as fast as it can read and write is going to be much slower than what you're going to have at the edge sites where the edge sites are going to be the exact opposite. You're going to have much less storage, but they can pull and retrieve content and send content much faster than other storage. And. Those are the two extremes, the very edge site where this is where actually the users are getting content and the origin site where all the content lives. I think Netflix does the exact same thing in most streaming providers. It's also sometimes a middleman as well. So you might have the concept of an origin site that might only be two continents in the world, two, three places in the world. You might have something like a a mid-tier or a mid-site data center, and that might hold, say... 50% 50% of the content, and then you'll have edge sites with that uh, might legitimately only hold 5% of all of the entire catalog. But the thing that, that makes that work is that 5% of the content, which can be stored on these edge caching nodes, CDN, that might legitimately constitute 95% of all the traffic. Wow. Like you get the, the the Netflix top 10 sites or top 10 shows, top 10 movies. Yep. And we even extrapolate that back because there's so much content. Let's say the top 50. You take the top 50, that might only be 5% of the of their entire catalog because they have thousands of things on their catalog. Right, right. But you take those top 50 and you put them on the caching nodes, and that might, like I said, service 95% of all the traffic. So... You need to be able to access that content when you need to. But the fact is, is that these caching nodes with a very limited amount of storage and can write data and delete data very quickly. They're kind of like constantly out there with just the, the most popular content. Ultimately, that's how they get away with having a lot more sites. They can get close to the customers because they just don't need data centers full of storage. You can have a few devices. And I think what some people don't realize is an origin site, which I said has all the content that might be an entire data center floors full of equipment where an edge site, they might just any of these streaming providers, they might just go into a data center provider and say, I need two racks and just, you can put it anywhere. So your cost of entry so quick, just turning up, you can do these so quickly because you're not bringing up this massive forklift of, just storage after storage and the other thing that worth noting is that generally all the processing that's done so when the content originally comes in there's things that need to happen if there's commercials need to be put in if there's different bit rates like d4k so on so on, all that stuff can happen in the or- origin data centers so anything that goes into giving you the final product that can be done at the origin site no need for that to be in the edge sites the edge sites are really just like Again, CDN content delivery. Those edge sites, which is the content delivery network, they are just there so people can reach the content and pull it. We're not; it's not processing it. It's not putting a bow on it, and making it look pretty. It's not responsible for giving you the thumbnails when you're searching through the your catalog on Netflix or Disney Plus. It's it's just there. It's giving you the raw data. Wow. So I kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I kind of stopped there let you guys ask any questions because I didn't want to have that be 10 minutes of discussion without giving you a chance to digest <laughs> what I just said. So, yeah, is there anything there that didn't make sense or was you didn't realize was the case?
1: I guess with the, the caching part of it, is that just based on the amount of hits or is there some sort of like predictive thing that happens there?
3: Yeah, be actually a good topic to actually get somebody that works in that department and know for sure. But there's definitely the heavy hitter shows, just using Disney Plus as an example. The new episode of The Mandalorian comes out. That'll get preloaded into all the caches, even before okay. we have any metrics to say that people are going to hit it, just because they know it's going to happen. Oh, awesome! So, sure. so we'll say, hey, it's launching on Friday. We'll proactively start jobs where the origin sites will start sending it to all CDNs so the CDNs have it ready. But if there's a show that maybe just kind of took people by surprise, yeah, there's metrics that are involved with that saying, hey, this is getting hit pretty heavily. And it's also not a a thing where we just have to send it out to all CDNs too. So, again, you might have, like I said, three or four origin sites. You could have 50 edge sites or 100 edge sites. And depending on the content too, you may only send it to a certain region. A good example would just be like if you have a – an Italian language movie, I mean, it's probably not be quite as popular here in the United States, but an Italian edge site, someplace that's like a data center in Rome, we might that might get pre sent okay. Hey, it's, right. a, it's a big Italian language movie, this is likely to be popular here, we'll pre send it out there.
2: That's
0: that makes cool. sense. So, I so from what I'm hearing is this sort of, and I'm kind of rolling back into the routing days CDN has a similar flavor of like anycast right so you're not going to one to you're not going to one particular site you're going to the closest so for example google's dns quad8s right or 4.4.4.4 4.4.2.2 like those things don't live in one particular place they're anycasted and they're they're at multiple places throughout the globe and you just go to the closest one there is that a fair comparison as far as like or are they running a cdn type of thing where they're using that service and that's kind of what it is
3: there is some anycast but it's probably not what you think it is there's these things called traffic controllers so that's what people are reaching out to originally so when you're resolving something and trying to hit play on something for the first time you're gonna reach out to a traffic controller and that may be anycast which means you're going to log into the closest traffic controller but all that traffic controller is going to do is see where you're coming from is aware of all the cdns and their current you know utilization and then based on maybe a couple other metrics that are probably pretty obvious when you see them we'll make a determination where it'll redirect you to Mm -hmm. so you reach the traffic controller traffic controller's heading back hey go to this guy based on everything that i'm paying attention to it, it makes most sense that hey you nice. reached out from you know, the central PA. It probably makes sense for you to go to Pittsburgh because Philly is hit pretty hard right now or something like that. Okay.
0: That's interesting. Yep.
3: Yeah. yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'm 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 following you so far. So not a whole <laughs> not, lot of smoke not, over <laughs> here. Following you no, so not far. not completely lost yet. Okay. All right. Anything else? And if not, I'll probably go into another topic, which is just kind of like cloud, where this stuff is actually being built today and utilizing yeah. them. Yeah. Actually, uh, before
0: we do that, would it make sense to just kind of throw some names out there as far as some of the bigger CDN providers? Just yeah. say, hey, these are a couple of the key players. They're big in the space. And then that'll resonate with uh, some folks out there. Say, oh, yeah, my company mm-hmm. uses that or
3: Yeah, there's this little guy I called AWS. (laughs) He's so tiny. (laughs) Yeah, they just run the world. Akamai, if you're not in an IT, you might not realize how big Akamai is. Akamai is monstrous. And I don't want to go as far as say they have the biggest CDN in the world, but it's close. It's got to be close. If you're talking about just CDN reach globally, it's probably between Verizon, Akamai, and AWS. And In the case of Disney, it's no secret. They use all of them Mm -hmm. to some degree. And yeah, those those are the big players. There's some other smaller ones. Lastly, um, Cloudflare is up there as well. Well, Cloudflare is... Isn't it bought out by Amazon or am I thinking something else? I think they're standing (laughs) on their own. (laughs) Oh, so that's another another budget thing. We need a fact checker.
0: (laughs) We get a producer on this show just to talk in our ears while we...
3: (laughs) <laughs> now, Cloudflare is up there,
0: like you said, Fastly is there as well. Amazon, obviously, Akamai. Amazon, I think it's called CloudFront, if I'm not mistaken. That's what, that's what, that's, it's CloudFront,
3: yeah. So okay. when you said Cloudflare, I was thinking CloudFront,
0: yeah. Gotcha. Azure has their own, Microsoft Azure CDN. So there's a, there's a few of them in the space that really yeah. are some, some heavy enters, So. Yep, Google's another one. Yep. Google Which I'm Cloud.
3: sure uses their own to service YouTube. Sure. sure. They're just using their own sure. environment. Yeah, Yep. So just so to I guess a few now names that we know- out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's often like AWS and Akamai or some now that it seems like we mentioned earlier that everyone's coming out with their own streaming service. Yep. All these other guys that have any type of footprint globally are trying to get into this sure. space. And it's the same kind of setup. It's just they are putting fast storage that can I mean they're not I don't want to call them done but they're they're limited in what they do but they do it well and they can do it in a footprint that's makes it very easy to continue to expand all over the world there you go yeah yeah so I guess having said that I wanted to touch a little bit on that and cost of entry for a CDN or for any type of network it's it's the draw with all providers aws google so on and so on is that there's such an initial investment to set up your own network or set up your own cdn that i don't see any scenario where somebody who's new to the streaming game whether it be disney a few years back hulu which i realize is owned by disney now or any of these smaller, like Paramount, and uh, yep. there's probably all kinds of other ones. Discovery Plus, but, that
0: kind of stuff, yeah.
3: Yeah, just things like that. People that have content, and then they decide, hey, we have to have some type of streaming offering. Right. Because the initial investment is so heavy, pretty much everyone is utilizing cloud providers, which is what we all know and understand. But I think the juggernauts, which I'll just focus on Netflix and Disney, have grown so big now where they actually can do this cheaper themselves. So now there's a a transition now where now they're trying to get off of Amazon and do it themselves, which is where Netflix is right now. They used to be completely on AWS and now the AWS is only used for processing. So just like I mentioned earlier, if you're really talking about content delivery networks, you're really kind of focusing on the edge of that where people actually pull the content. So as of right now, I don't, maybe they're still servicing it somewhere, but for overwhelming majority of the traffic that goes to Netflix, you're hitting some data center where they actually own the equipment on site and things like thumbnails that I mentioned earlier, or uh, any of the analytics processing that goes into producing the results for what it recommends. That's all done in AWS today. And again, that's public knowledge. They acknowledge that but they're transitioning it off and that's just what you're seeing across the board right now because the, the costs associated with some of these juggernauts in Amazon, they're talking about billion dollar bills oh, I believe okay, it. to a vendor, nine figure bills, yearly sure. bills. Wow. So now they're getting to the point where, okay, it makes sense to go on this billion dollar plus investment to build that. Sure. You may not might take you a year or two, but you know, if you continue growth, yeah, it's only going to get worse and worse. And the more, the longer you wait, the harder it is to get off that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's currently what we're seeing right now is, and same with Disney. The idea is they they want to build their own CDNs. They want to get off dependencies of these CDN providers and do it themselves. And with the ultimate goal to save money.
0: Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. So that kind of brings me to a question that I had once we take up. A breath here you (laughs) talked about internet and sort of the the nine-figure bills that they're that these streaming giants are pushing to these vendors and whatnot like what does that internet traffic cost look like then as well i mean that's got to be an astronomical bill as far as you know like like you're you're paying for all that throughput i mean that has to be tons and tons of throughput I would assume the streaming has to be a major percentage of the internet of the total overall internet traffic out there, I would assume. So like, what does that bill look like from
3: a usage (laughs) perspective? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And that's why it's so easy to go into things like these Amazon and Google at first, because their model, their billing models is based on utilization. So, as your utilization goes up, your bill goes up. But again, just like entry in is pretty easy. But yeah, now as we're transitioning out and all these providers are transitioning out, if you look at the bandwidth statistics of like Netflix and Hulu and Disney, uh, internet traffic that a few years back where individual data centers or POPs, things like a major city is terabytes or terabits per second of internet. But I believe it to service all this stuff. And yeah, like you said, that is a monstrous bill. That could be tens of millions of dollars to get all of these internet circuits. And these CDN providers, they're forced to do it. I mean, they have to provide the service to their clients, and that's how they do it over the internet. But a big thing that's a huge push for all these internet providers, or I'm sorry, all these content providers, is a concept of private peering. So I think everyone's pretty familiar with you get an internet connection from a big provider, Verizon, or Essential Links, the other. Anyone's familiar with the different tiers, tier one provider, the biggest players, and have the biggest reach, tier twos next level down, so on and so on. So, again, people are kind of accustomed to that. You buy an internet circuit with them, you have internet access, and you pay a monthly fee for it. The bigger the circuit, the bigger the, the internet connection, the... And the more costly it is. And at this point, um, with these CDN providers, you're talking about 400 gig circuits and lots of them. So it can get incredibly expensive. But the thing to note is since they are content delivery networks, uh, end user is what's just everyone sitting at their house. That is who is pulling this traffic. That's who the traffic is going to initially. So... There's a huge push right now to get in contact with the tier two and tier three internet providers. So these are going to be guys like Spectrum and Charter, Crown Castle, Cogent. There's several others. They have a really big residential base that is consuming a lot of streaming traffic YouTube, Netflix, Disney. And the idea is if people aren't aware these tier two providers, if they need to reach Disney... And they happen to go through a tier one provider, say like charter in order to get to us has to go through Verizon. They actually have to pay Verizon to use their network uh, to use them as a transit. So the, the whole concept between with private peering is you have these big providers, they'll go to these still very large ISPs that are residential focused and they'll do something, a private peering agreement. The whole idea is we'll connect to each other. I'll only give you my Disney streaming content, which is the only thing that they're concerned about. So I won't use you for anything transit. Like I won't traverse you to reach Verizon. You won't traverse me to use anything else. You only use this direct connection to me for streaming and I'll only use it again to provide you guys with streaming content. And then we won't bill each other for it. So what that turns into is what used to be tens of millions of dollars of internet traffic. Now we can offload so much of that bandwidth by coming into these agreements with all these big providers. Like I said, Crown Castle, Cogent, Charter, and just any mom and pop internet connection. And it's mutually beneficial. It's like we don't have to pay the tier one providers. They don't have to pay the tier one providers. You're that much closer to our service, or latency goes down a little bit. You're cutting out a middleman if troubleshooting is ever necessary. And that's just where it's going. It's so popular to do right now. And and this isn't anything new. Private peering has been something that's been in place for a long time that people do. When it's mutually beneficial to cut out the middleman, private peering is the way to go. It's just now it's a very obvious. When you're a big player like Disney, we'll get people reaching out to us. So another concept worth noting is the idea of the meet-me rooms, just carrier hotels. So when you're coming up with edge sites or mid-tiers or origin sites, it's beneficial to look for data centers that are considered carrier hotels. It's locations where lots of major players are in. And just we'll take Philadelphia, for example, since uh, Pat, you've probably been down there a few times. 401 North Broad Street. Indeed. That's one of the most, that's a massive carrier hotel on the Northeast there in Philadelphia that yep. every major internet carrier is in that building. They have some type of equipment in there. So because everyone's there, generally there is a designated meet-me room, which is just a room that generally has just a few really dumb switches and just patch panels. And it provides a very simple way to get connectivity to all these providers. And we utilize that concept when we're picking out data centers and looking for places that we can get connection to other vendors quickly, easily, and just ends up being how much money you use that bill. Cause if half your traffic is going to Comcast charter and you can just get those two direct connections for it's literally going the, the maintenance fee for like the data center provider to plug in this physical connection might be $250 a month, but they could save you hundred thousand dollars a month, just that one connection. Sure. And you just keep doing that over and over again. And it's, as I mentioned earlier, it works in many different levels. Just troubleshooting is easier because there's one less person to deal with. Just latency is lower because you're not traversing hops. You don't need to. And our bill is much lower. And it would be great if we get to the point where these streaming giants become so big that even like the Verizon's of the world who kind of felt, (laughs) I think have sat at the top for so long, they might just get to the point where it's like, fine, just connect to us for free. Right. We have some residential customers.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and yeah, because it might just end up turning into a situation where, you know, they want the best service for their customers because it's such a draw to have the best possible service. Sure. Um, Cause that's the other thing you can do when you have direct peerings that I didn't go into. Cause I didn't want to go overly networking or overly technical, but Quality of service QoS, that's kind of lost once you start getting into multiple vendors and you get internet it's just because no one's going to care what you, what QoS stuff you want. You have a direct connection to Comcast and Comcast wants to make sure that any event that we blow up one of our backbone connections for something, at least make sure that Disney gets their, or make sure Netflix gets their fair share. So that gives you some options that you haven't had before. I think that starts to blur the line, and that—that's a good topic. Stuff though. goes on.
0: No, that's interesting. Yeah, I knew the meet me rooms and the 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 peerings and whatnot. They've been going on for a few years, and trying to get closer to your customer, and basically, like you said, cutting out the middleman and things of that nature. So I think that's that's interesting to see that kind of come to come to life, or at least be a little more mainstream. And if it's doable, then you know, then great, because obviously that's a ton of traffic that you're pushing and. You know anything you can do to get a little closer and cut down that that latency and jitter and all that other crazy stuff and have at it, and they're 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 more than happy to to do that because that just means better performance at the at the end user. So that, that's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I agree. So I think that kind of gave a pretty good overview of kind of CDNs where they are today, where they're going. In this case, we just talked about how they can save some money so hopefully that's interesting I was considering going into a bit more detail of, like how some of these streaming providers work but I don't know if it makes sense to get into that much detail so I guess I'll leave it to you guys is there any obvious uh, questions that came up that you could think of anything that you wanted to talk about a little bit more huh.
0: I guess I'm questioning like okay say say I'm here and I and you guys have a have an edge in philly and so I'm, I'm basically going to philly like how do they is it just is it just all obviously it's udp traffic because it's all streaming but like how does that work with like is it just a it's just a copy of whatever i'm trying to watch correct like how much like how how many co- for lack of better words how many copies do y'all keep around it <laughs> in particular is there a limit like is it just hey i rented fifty thousand copies if this thing is out that person's going to be sol like how does that work
3: well i think i'll answer your question correctly but yeah it kind of goes back to that concept of origin sites where you may only have three sites that have all the data and that data will end up getting copied to maybe middleman data centers that might only hold about half the traffic and then ultimately to the edge sites that have caching so i mean you mm. it, if you're talking about the the newest and greatest show that might be on every single cdn on the planet and yeah, i mean that means technically at any given time 100 copies of the content <laughs> so yeah not sure if that answered your question or not but yeah that's how it goes
0: that's how it rolls no that's <laughs> good no, i was i'm always curious about that kyle what do you got
1: so then when it comes to the the edge sites and stuff like that when you you're like the end user and you're you're reaching out to to play something are you just getting gigantic files? Are they like little snippets? Or, or like, or if you're mobile or something like that? I mean, you're not just getting smacked with huge data. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, I wanted to watch a movie and I just downloaded four gigs worth of the content. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> for sure,
3: yeah. So these, yeah, a show or even a movie, is, it's obviously a, obviously a massive file, and it's not realistic for people to download. Uh, what, what's a 20 gig file for maybe a 4K movie. So I talked about a little bit about how there's processing. So this is where it kind of goes away from CDNs a little bit. So CDNs do what they do, but again, they're not very intelligent. So they don't do any type of processing. They have the content on them, and they people pull the content from them. But when people are actually reaching out to view a movie or view a show, what they are what they end up doing is they reach out to something and they get a manifest file and what that manifest file is, is like a sh- list of URLs. And each one of those URLs actually points back to a very specific chunk of content. So I probably should have started off by saying when you get these massive files, like a movie, you'll actually, when they're processed, that generally, well, Netflix in case, it's an AWS or whatever data center that's doing this processing, they'll take that file that might be 90 minutes long and turn it into thousands of five second clips. Mm-hmm. And what that allows you to do is when the player, where there'd be, and not only do that back up yet again, not only will they break it up in the five second chunks, they'll also break it up in the five different chunks at different bit rates so that'll all go to like mm-hmm. what your bandwidth is. If you're rocking a three G connection somewhere, they might get the three sixty P version mm-hmm. of it. And, if you're, even if you're a mobile device, it, it'll default to probably not giving you the 4K content. Even if you technically have a 4K phone, just because it's hard to tell the difference, it might default to a 720p content, which is much less bandwidth. Yeah, but the whole idea is it has these five-second chunks at all different bit rates. and Each one of those chunks and bit rates will have some type of URL that gets you access to them. So... Say you're on a phone, you're at a decent connection. Maybe you got like, I don't know, say, a five meg connection, not quite enough to download the best content available. We'll Go back to those traffic controllers I talked about. Again, those traffic controllers will be able to see what your connection speeds are at. And then, based on that, not only direct you to the right CDN, which could, which will probably be nearby, but they'll direct you to the CDN and the specific URLs, the specific manifest files that will give you the content at the bit rate that they think is acceptable. So what you end up doing as the end user device is you're downloading maybe 15 seconds of content at a time that gets cached on your device. um, That's that 15 seconds is very small in the grand scheme of things. And if you ever look at your, if you look at a PC and you're streaming something, you'll actually see your temp files constantly churning because it's pulling these five second content. My, download three of them. It's caching it in really fast memory. And then as soon as it's done with it, it deletes it and goes over and over and over again. So even though it might be a 20 gig file, you probably only need to at any given point store a few megs worth of it, which turns into like 10, 15 seconds of it.
1: So it's really awesome.
3: That's kind of how it works. (laughs) That is awesome.
0: Man, this is such cool stuff. Just it's crazy. Who doesn't love this stuff? my
2: question who
0: doesn't love it did you want to touch on anything else before we go into some of the futuristic putting our putting our not our tinfoil hat but you know something in the future hat (laughs) on and seeing where that goes ah
3: don't want to give people too much so i think that's a good overview if they want more maybe we can do a follow-up yeah
0: if you want more hit us up let us know if that's something you're into we can really get into the weeds and i don't know maybe alex you can bring one of your really smart friends on and and that that deals with this way more than than even just the surface that that we're doing it and have them come on and nerd out even harder this is awesome sounds Sounds good good. so where do you see the future of streaming slash cdns going because they're (laughs) they're obviously here they've been around for a while i think late 90s cdn started in like the late nineties, I wanna say, somewhere around there, and they were just a way to deliver like static HTML pages faster to 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 people. And it's kind of evolved over over time and here we are. Now we're now we're pushing terabytes of data through this thing. So
3: <laughs> where do you see it going? There's a few things I'm really interested to see how gaming might take advantage of CDNs. I know was it Stadia? Yeah. Like Google, Google gaming. It. So I'm kind of curious how they'll do that because there's so many things that are sure they're similar, but they're fundamentally different. You can't buffer for 15 seconds when you're playing a first person shooter. So I am curious if they come up with like just gaming that stream, they don't have a, a console, how CDNs might evolve uh, mm-hmm. right now. I kept saying that CDNs are kind of dumb. They service content, but Maybe there'll be a slight evolution where in addition to serving content, they can also do some basic processing that's related to gaming. So yeah, interested with that. The other things that come to mind that people are doing a lot of right now, uh, the streaming giants, Evolve Analytics. And some of the things that they're doing are really interesting. Because when you're talking about these massive streaming giants that the small things that they're doing analytics wise, because they have so much data, I think it'd be great to see how much impact they're having. And one example I'll give, and this is for Netflix, I and mean, maybe you don't know this, but when you're cycling through Netflix, you see a thumbnail for every show, you know, you're cycling through, it, you see a little thumbnail sure. about it. For every show, there will be at least three or four iterations of that thumbnail. And in some cases, considerably more. And they'll modify that thumbnail based on your viewing habit. And one clear cut example huh. I'll give is um, because I was just reading this the other day, is Goodwill Hunting. Great movie. Matt Great Damon movie. Robin Williams. But if they say you see that you have a tendency to preferring a certain actor, be it Matt Damon, be it Robin Williams, the thumbnail that you'll have will make sure that Robin Williams or Matt Damon's on it. If you don't like either, but you like romantic movies, you'll get a thumbnail where Matt Damon is kissing, what's her, Mini Driver? Is that her name? The female lead. Oh, either. yeah. So, more like a romantic movie. If you have a tendency to prefer comedies, you'll see the scene where Robin Williams and Matt Damon are cracking up over something. Right. They're both just have huge fun. Huh, yeah. If you prefer dramas, you'll see one where the two are embracing. Like a very serious moment. And I thought that was so interesting. Now, the other example they gave was Stranger Things. If you have a tendency to prefer uh, horror or maybe more mature content, you'll get a much darker image. Whereas if you uh, tend to have more family-friendly content, you'll actually get a picture of the four kids. Huh. Look at that. That's (laughs) wild. And I just... When I was reading that article, I thought to myself, that is, seems so simple given you have this data of trends that people have. And I think that would have a profound impact on what people watch because I, I can, yeah. I know it has with me. Sure. Things that I'm not familiar with, that thumbnail immediately piques my interest one way or the other. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: I just want to know where can I get a thumbnail of a Bigfoot show that I want to watch?
3: <laughs> how many
0: how many thumbnails of Bigfoot can I get? The one that I really really like is that out there? Can somebody tell me? Uh,
3: on Hulu, they're searching for Bigfoot. I love it. I watch it. I that. love it. It's pretty good. I love it. I love it.
0: Bigfoot <laughs> and UFOs. Can I get? Yeah, can I get <laughs> an alien one. Like four different iterations of aliens. I'm yeah. in there.
3: <laughs> so you think about that next time you go to Netflix. Is think of the stuff that you like. In your case, if you like UFOs. And then maybe look at content and you'd be surprised how many of the thumbnails are focused on what you like. So, <laughs> See, now
0: I can't, that's going to be something uh, I can't unsee from now on now that you said that. Let's <laughs> just be like,
3: goddamn, big brother. Jesus. They're always trying to get us to buy more. <laughs> that is wild. Um, so that's just Netflix. And I'll let you guys bring up anything. If you think of it, but Disney's doing something similar where if you go to the parks now, you get a wristband that kind of, Keeps track of rides that you ride and the uh, places that you eat. But the whole idea is they want to keep they want to create an ecosystem, like a, a system where they're streaming their theater experiences and their park experiences are all combined together. So what they'll end up doing is, if they see you've gone to the Guardians of the Galaxy ride while you're there, now next time you go on to Disney Plus, it'll start suggesting the guardians of the galaxy trilogy
0: that's it time
3: (laughs) to be alive
0: god (laughs) dang (laughs) wow
3: wow yeah so and they it works the opposite way too if they see that you tend to watch a lot of star wars stuff when you or go to the park and you have the wristband or you have the companion app, it'll actually suggest hey this ride and Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars attraction. This ride's got a short wait. There you go. (laughs) Look at that. Look at that.
0: Fun fact, the wife and the family and I are going to Disney in December, right before Christmas. So, yeah. Wife's best friend, her son plays in a middle school band, and they got invited down to Disney. So they're going. So we're all going. I think it's right before December. And also, I'll say this publicly. The wife downloaded an app today that tracks how many days we have left to Disney. I don't know how I feel about that <laughs> so far. <laughs> She's like, hey, there's 263 days and 11 hours and 47 minutes till we hit Disney. I'm like, thanks for that
3: reminder, honey. Oh,
0: appreciate it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'll one nerd you oh. up. Uh, my wife. My wife's a programmer. We're going to Disney in April. Okay. She created a website <laughs> for when we leave. <laughs> That's some next level stuff right there.
0: I love it. It's amazing. Yes. I love it. Uh, but I tell you what, the wife and I went <laughs> to Disney on our honeymoon before we had kids, and Disney is just as much fun for adults as it is for kids. I'll tell you that right now. And that,
3: yeah. oh yeah, the most fun oh. you can have is not breaking. Oh,
2: kids my, oh sure. it's amazing.
0: <laughs> now, let me tell you that Avatar ride that they have down there in florida that is the best ride i have ever 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 been on so if anybody's listening out there the one in animal yeah Kingdom? the one that yeah the one in animal king it was brand new right when we like when we got there it was literally less than six months old and we literally got off the plane onto the magic bus or whatever <laughs> it is the the, the bus that, that picks you up from the airport got on that bus our first day was at Animal Kingdom, and our first Fast Pass, which I don't think they do Fast passes anymore, but at the time, they did the Fast Pass. So our first Fast Pass was for that ride, and literally, we, mm-hmm. I was like, I got off that ride, and I was like, this vacation could be over right this minute, because that was the best ride <laughs> I've ever been on. It was well, amazing. it's funny you
3: mentioned that. That is – that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most in the whole – the troll trip. We're going to be there April 15th. Nice. It's Pandora's flight. I'm sure is yep. what you're talking about in animal kingdom. Love it. So yeah, oh, I'm going straight. It's to so it. good. It's so well, we I mean, did it twice. Well, That's how good it was. We had fast
0: passes for both, and I was like, "This is this is the most boss ride ever." Like, <laughs> oh oh my god, it's amazing. And of course, in true Disney fashion, at the end of the ride, you you walk out of the building, you walk down this long corridor or whatever, and it drops you into, into a gift shop. <laughs> so Disney never misses an opportunity they to never. sell you
2: something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they know they know what they're holy doing. They're hand,
0: yes, they do. So yeah, so if you love the. Avatar ride as much as I did. Hit me up on Twitter. Let's talk about it because i I can't I can't get enough. I can't I can't find people that like it like as much as I did. It it was it was awesome. I loved it every every oh, minute in Disney I'm was excited. great. So yeah. So where, where, where are you
3: staying in Disney, Alex? I am staying in one of the resorts, but it's one of the real cheaper okay. ones. Animation. Uh, okay. So I'm not doing it because my kids are older yeah. now. So it's one of the cheaper <laughs> ones. But, yeah, Animal Kingdom on April 14th nice. and Epcot on Saturday. Epcot was cool. Yeah, I already have a list of all the rides. Yep. Epcot uh, was cool. Because I, I live I live real close to Anaheim, yep. like 10 minutes from Anaheim. So I can go to Disneyland anytime yeah. I want. And there's at Disneyland, there's two parks. There's Disneyland and California Adventure. And there's two parks. Of the four in Disney World that are very similar to those two, so Animal Kingdom and Epcot are the two that are unlike okay. the two in cool. an Anaheim. So those are the two we're going to.
0: Animal Kingdom ended up being my favorite park. To be honest, it was awesome. I loved it. It was great. So yeah, wow. so just interesting note on that one. But <laughs> yeah, man, we're, we'll we'll be there in December and see what kind of mess we can make with two kids now.
3: So it's a, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we'll have to let people know how our Disney Plus was impacted that's right. by it so you yeah. start getting <laughs>
0: avatar that's promotions it. maybe just with this conversation they'll start popping up because they're listed all the time
2: who knows <laughs> we'll see what happens yeah that's the that world we already got
0: four emails yeah. so. uh anything else boys before we wrap up and get out of here we're right around that hour mark which is which is our sweet spot
3: no i think we're good hope people got some out of that maybe after the recording is stopped we'll Talk more about Disney World,
0: but people don't need to hear about that. <laughs> if you want to hear more about us talking about Disney World, let us know. We'll certainly sit here and throw a few high points in. No, that that's that's gonna be it. This was awesome. Great discussion on CDNs and kind of what they bring to the world. So thanks again for joining this week on Breaking Down the Bites. Make sure you visit our website. BreakingBytesPod.io, that's where you can subscribe to the show on your favorite platform of choice. Most of you come from Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. That's what our stats tell us anyway. So there's a link for that, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or if you just need a RSS feed, that's up there as well so you don't miss a show, right? Throw us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That'd be awesome. Simply tell a friend. That's cool, too. We've gotten some really good feedback lately, and we're tweaking as necessary. So every bit of feedback really does help kind of you know, guide these shows and get you what you want to hear. So awesome there, too. Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, Discord server, the survey that we have out there, the feedback survey. It's all in the show notes for your platform of choice for socials. So all right, fellas, it's been a good one. Awesome, awesome time. And we'll see everybody again next week. Bye, everybody. So long. See you.